I tell everyone that that the army that you are in today is totally different from the army that you will leave whenever you decide to release from active duty or retire or whatever. The army that I came into in 1972 is radically different from the army of today. For which you didn't pay, pay uniforms for winter, spring, and fall. There's a lot to be said for the army. Welcome to the last episode of Fred Talks. We have learned so much from the Army JAG Corps historian, archivist, and professor of legal history, Mr. Fred Bork. I'm Major Joel Hood, Marine Corps representative in the Center for Law and Military Operations. It's been my pleasure to record these episodes over the past year or so. I say that it's the last episode, Mr. Bork, because they can't very well keep calling it Fred Talks once you're gone, now can they? Well, unless I come back. I might come back. You never know. A third career? Is that what you're saying? 51 years isn't enough? Well, I think, I think we should assume that the Fred Talks are, are nearing the end of their spectacular uh, career, but you never know. Well, Major Command, the previous host uh, of Fred Talks, interviewed you back in 2021 in what felt to me like a farewell podcast, and he stole a lot of our material, so we've got our work cut out for us. I want to start out with this. Of all the things that you could have done as a second career after your 25 years of active duty, why become the JAG Corps historian? What is it about military legal history that you find so compelling? Well, I've, I've always loved history. And when I was in college, I was a history major. And I thought seriously about pursuing history as a career and getting a, a PhD in history. And, and candidly, I realized that there's not much future in it because it's hard to get a job. Uh, so I decided that um, I would go to law school. I was always interested in being a lawyer from the very beginning, but in deciding to go to law school, I certainly didn't give up my interest or my love of history. And I would also add that all of us as lawyers have to be mindful of history because we study a case law and stare decisis, and that's all about history. And so I think that that's my segue into saying that one of the reasons I love history is that you cannot understand the present or understand why things are the way they are today if you don't study the past. And for that matter, uh, if you study the past and you understand why things are in the present, you can also, I think, more accurately project, maybe even predict, where the future is going to go. Although there, although there are always some things that you can't know. But I would say I love history because I love learning about the past, how it impacts on the present, and the role of great men and women in changing our world. I'm going to throw a curveball real quick, Mr. Bork. I'm sure you're aware of the, the great man theory in history. Uh, what's your hot take on that? I, I think that's true. I believe that uh, a single person... Uh, can have an impact on history. I think that good examples are Nelson Mandela in South Africa, who I think is one of the greatest men of the 20th century. Uh, Martin Luther King, certainly in our own era. I believe that uh, Abraham Lincoln, he is the key to the Civil War, the preservation of the Union, uh, the emancipation of uh, enslaved people. And I think those are three uh, examples of someone can have a huge impact. On a negative side, Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler. Can't You cannot look at the horrendous... Mao. Ma 
all these people, Mao Zedong, uh, so a great man, great woman uh, can have an impact. Now, there's certainly historical trends, uh, but I don't believe that anything is necessarily inevitable. I do believe in free will. I believe that men and women have free will, and so I, I do believe in the great man, great woman theory. You know, I find that really empowering as I study history to see that decisions can determine destinies. I think that's true. Yeah. Well, I want to hone in on a specific person that perhaps influenced your, your destiny, if I can use that word. Your first boss, the SJA at Fort Benning, Colonel Lassiter. He, uh, he had a lasting impact on you. Initially, you told Major Command that you planned to serve just the first four years, but then you stayed for 25 on active duty, sir. How did Colonel Lassiter's leadership make it practicing law in the JAG Corps so rewarding that you decided to stay? Well, that's a true statement. Uh, it was Earl Lassiter's leadership and his, uh, his vision uh, and the way he treated people that really had a huge impact on me. And I think looking back, uh, and I think this is still true today, men and women who decide to make the Army JAG Corps a career are very, very much influenced by their first assignment. If they had a good first assignment, they liked their bosses, they liked their colleagues, they liked their work, then they're more inclined to stay. On the other hand, if you had a crummy first assignment, lousy boss, uh, unhelpful or antagonistic coworkers, you're probably not going to stay. In the case of Earl Lassiter, he was really quite remarkable in the way he ran the office. It's not necessarily the school solution, but uh, Earl Lassiter, known affectionately as Earl the Pearl Lassiter, he was very hands-off. And he, once he selected you to do a job, he would rarely micromanage you. In fact, one of the things that made a huge impact on me was when I became a trial counsel, I still remember that the school brigade commander at Fort Benning called Colonel Lassiter on the phone to discuss an upcoming general court-martial, so one colonel calling another colonel. And I'll never forget, I was in the office, and Colonel Lassiter told this brigade commander, I'm not going to discuss this case with you. Fred Bork will make the decisions. Call Captain Bork. I mean, this was, this was unbelievable. I loved it. I mean, here I am getting to make decisions about this case. and That's empowering. It's very empowering. And, and so when I, when I look back, I can see that this was very important. I mean, we tell young judge advocates, you're going to get to do more as a judge advocate than you could ever do in a law firm. Come with us, get experience, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing that Lassiter did was he was really big on sports, and so in the, in the spring and the summer and the fall, uh, we would play volleyball as an office every afternoon about 4.30. And his other rule was you could take every Wednesday afternoon off if you wanted to go play golf. I don't play golf. I consider it to be a good walk, spoiled, to quote Mark Twain. But a lot of folks in the office got out and played golf with Colonel Lester every Wednesday afternoon. And it was a great way to build esprit de corps, get out, get away from the telephone. We didn't have computers in those days. 
and do something that was fun. And that had a big impact on me too. Well, if we could all be so lucky. We've been kind of dancing around how many years you've spent in the JAG Corps and and in the Army. You've told me before that you enlisted in the Army over 50 years ago now. What's the actual count? I enlisted in the Army in August of 1972. Uh, The Vietnam War was on, and I wanted an ROTC scholarship. And in order to take the scholarship, because I think the draft was on, you had to enlist. Uh, And so I enlisted as a private E1, and then at the end of ROTC was honorably discharged, went to law school on an educational delay. So I certainly have more than 50 years, a half a century in service to the nation. Well, you've no doubt noted some trends and leadership, as I think we've just discussed, and policy and law. What trends are most noteworthy to you? Well, I I tell everyone that that the army that you are in today is totally different from the army that you will leave whenever you decide to release from active duty or retire or whatever. The army that I came into in 1972 is radically different from the army of today. But I think the honest observation is it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. So one huge difference, obviously, would be the remarkable demographic changes involving women. In 1972, the Army was 1% female and gender segregated. If you were a woman, you couldn't join the Army. You could join the Women's Army Corps. You could be a whack, but you could not join the big green machine. So fast forward to today where every single military occupational specialty really is open to women. Uh, The Army is, I don't know, 14, 15% female. The JAG Corps, at least 25% female. So a huge change, and in my opinion, a much better change. We are a better organization because of our diversity. So that's one big change. The other big change is that there was no such thing as operational law in 1972, much less the idea that lawyers should deploy with commanders or get involved in military operations. Uh, And if you'd said to a lawyer in 1972, hey, do you want to work with a commander to make sure that his military operation complies with the law of war, et cetera, et cetera, judge advocates would have said, what? What? Why would I do that? I've got courts martial to try. And that was true. In 1969, for example, the Army tried over 50,000 courts martial last year only about 500. So that would be another big change. I guess the last thing that that I would stress is that as a historian and as, as someone who's now on the backside of life, I'm more and more aware of the law of unintended consequences. And we make good decisions and we make decisions that we think will benefit an institution or an organization, but there's always an unintended consequence. And a good example of that would be the decision in 1972-73 to go to an all-volunteer professional force. Now, there were really good reasons to get rid of the draft because when you had a draft, you had lots of people in the Army who did not want to be there. And it's not a good idea to have people in an organization who don't want to be a part of it. And so the Army was enthusiastic about getting rid of the draft. And I think in retrospect, that was a good idea. But the law of unintended consequences is that now 
50 years later, we're having tremendous recruiting challenges, not just in the Army, but in all the services. So the, the answer is, is not to return to a draft, and I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying if you're talking about an observation, we now have this recruiting challenge because we have so professionalized our armed forces that it seems to be increasingly difficult to get young men and women to sign up. And so that would be my other observation is that I, I see the law of unintended consequences being very much in operation in our army and in, in our uh, United States and in the world. That's very true. In fact, I was just talking with our German exchange officer about similar issues within Germany. I think almost every country is, uh, is having these problems. You probably have, have seen these articles I think in New Zealand, for example, they've, they've had to essentially dry dock or park one of their frigates because they don't have enough sailors to man it. I mean, we're not, we're not there yet. I guess if you then said to me, okay, Fred, where are we going? I think our recruiting shortfalls will probably accelerate our use of AI, artificial intelligence, to the sen- in the sense that we may be able to use AI to help us with manpower shortfalls. But I might be wrong. We'll see. Well, Mr. Bork, you're a respected professor here at the JAG School. You've been a leader in and around the JAG Corps for many years. I'd encourage our listeners to simply look up your name and they can see your CV online. Your accolades or publications are too numerous to mention. You were also the first Department of Defense Office of Military Commission's chief prosecutor. And yet, some still push a narrative, including, uh, unfortunately, on Wikipedia, that mires your time there in controversy. I'd like to give you the last word here on this last Fred Talks episode to set the record straight, if you'd like. Well, you're right, Major Hood. If, if you look at my Wikipedia entry, it's not very flattering. In fact, it suggests that I'm really a pretty bad person. I'm really not. I'm not a bad guy. I actually can be, I can be a nice guy. I think the whole problem with the military commissions is that it was a very, very difficult job from the beginning, position from the beginning, mostly because the process itself was really not very well designed. Uh, lots of procedural flaws, too results-oriented, and, and I think that, that that's unfortunate because military commissions do have a place in our panoply in our toolkit of things that you might want to use. And unfortunately, what has happened at Guantanamo Bay is not really served uh, the utility of military commissions. For me, it was just a really hard job because there was an expectation from my bosses that we could make this work. And I think it was pretty tough, pretty tough to do. I mean, even today, despite the brilliance of of a number of prosecutors who followed me, it's still been a very, very difficult process. So all I can say is that I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about politicians and political decision-making in the military commissions process, and I did the best I could, and that's probably where we should leave it. Well, that's all anybody can ask. Mr. Bork, on behalf of the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School and Clamo and me personally, thank you for your service, sir. You are very welcome. It's been my privilege to work alongside you for these past few years. Sir, fair winds and following seas. Thank you, Major Hood. With that, we end Fred Talks. 
please subscribe to the Quill and Sword podcast and watch for new episodes every week. With all my care and strife, but after months and months of tough civilian life, oh gee, I wish I was back in the army now. The views expressed or implied on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United States Army JAG Corps or other organizations with which the participants are associated or by whom they are employed.